Black people wear pants that are more shiny than this, though. But they also wear pants that are of that shine. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Maybe the more chilled out ones do. Let's go. The more mild ones. <sighs> Facebook heard us say those things. All right, you ready? Oh, Bixby's, Bixby's waiting to fire me for being a bigot. I know. At any point in time. It chimed like, in. I don't understand that. <laughs> it, it, it chimed in the other day. I mean. I was there. Again, I've been, I've been looking at life in the same way I review movies. And from the movie review standpoint, you're looking at that scene. And you've got two guys talking about how they were happy that their previous spat was not over a specific hot button issue of the day, which social media companies are censoring any opposition to. And it just so happens that the technology run by Google and Samsung pipes up and says, I did not understand what you're saying. Like that's when it takes a chance to malfunction. Like, if you were watching that in a movie, you'd say the coincidence of that malfunctioning happened then is too cheesy. That's almost like overcomer level of cheesy. Like the movie review version of, of that scene would give that one an F. The writers of that plot were not thinking believably enough. <laughs> that is the only time Bixby has ever heard my voice and responded while just sitting there on the table. Ever. Ever. Being ready. You ready? Why are you sitting there not responding to my questions I and not told telling me you're you ready? I was ready earlier. And then you followed it up by saying, and I've said that several times before and then wasn't ready. Well, that was just me saying that I screwed up a couple times. So you got to tell me when you're totally ready. But I, I'm pretty sure I'm totally ready. Okay, let's go. All right. Yeah, don't need any pictures in this. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm ready. Three. Do you, did you put the title card in it? Yeah, I got that. that dude, I, I can't. If I manage to start this without the title card, I need to be fired. <laughs> Are you ready? Three, two, one. The Parable of the Weeds. In the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, we get several parables that are put in there teaching us what life in the church is meant to be like. And it also tells us the expectations we can have for the world. We're not to avoid conflict. There are times of conflict. We have to realize that different seeds get planted different places, respond differently to the fertile fertility of the soil, and we should make sure that our hearts are fertile ground. In Matthew 13, there's also this parable of the weeds. And in this, we find that there are weeds that are planted by an enemy amongst some grain. In this parable, it reminds us that there are corrupting ideas that come in the world. They grow alongside those ideas which are righteous, those which are truthful, and those which are moving towards Christ-like living. And whenever we read this, we should be reminded that we are not exempt in our modern day, we are not exempt from weeds growing next to the grain. This is something which can happen in the church and does happen in the church and is happening in the church. Whenever we see this taking place, and there are times in life where it is really obvious that there is a weed growing amongst the grain, but whenever this happens, oftentimes we find it so easy to be disheartened as a laborer. You, you want to be doing things, you want to be preparing for the harvest, and you see the weeds coming, and you can't really rip them up just yet, and it's kind of really frustrating to be. 
However, Christ wants us to have joy, and he doesn't want us to let the weeds rob us of the joy and hope that are found in his kingdom. And in the midst of this, he reminds us that take heart because a final day of judgment is coming. So, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and today with me here in the studio is one other. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And Anthony, now that you're here with me in Cord Purgatory, we kind of missed you the other day. I had to do this all by myself, and there's all sorts of mishaps which happen with that. But Anthony's back with us, and he's going to start us off by reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew in chapter 13, picking up in verse 24. So, Anthony, would you read our parable for us? He, being Jesus, put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. When I was a small child, I used to, to do something which a lot of kids do. They try to be cute and act like adults. And when I was a little boy, and again, probably less than five years old, real, real young boy, I would go around and I would pick these purple flowers. And I thought I was being a gentleman. I would go to some of the ladies at church, you know, I'd give them a little bouquet of flowers. I would give them to my, to my mother, my grandmother, and to the ladies that you saw in the world. And I did this for a while, and generally the response I got was people laughed at you. And being like a three- to five-year-old boy, I thought they were just doing it because it was fun and it was funny and I was doing the right thing. But after a few years, I got a little bit older and I learned the name of these flowers. They were purple dead nettles and they aren't flowers at all. They're actually weeds. Instead of me going around handing a bouquet of flowers to these ladies, I was giving them purple little weeds. And that's why they were laughing at me because it wasn't actually a nice gesture at all, but it was one that was just comical mishap that a little boy is having. But these purple dead nettles, they get their scientific name from the Greek meaning a devouring purple little monster. And they tend to take over our yards and things like that. And in fact, the title card we have for this episode, if Anthony will pull it back up, has the purple dead nettles in there and you can see them. You've probably seen them growing in your yard if you're somewhere like we are here in Tennessee. They kind of grow and take over everything. And they kind of look prettyish, especially if you're a child, but they're just another weed out there to come and plague your yard. And I bring this story up because as we read the story of the grain among the weeds, or the weeds among the grain, however you want to phrase that, we should not take for granted the fact that it's not actually that easy to turn weeds from the grain. Sometimes we think we can determine which is which, but sometimes it's a little bit harder to make that discernment. Just like I, as a child, couldn't tell the difference between a weed and a flower, there are times as adults we can't tell what is a good seed and what is a bad seed. And sometimes it's not till long time down the road you get near the harvest that you actually start seeing a difference. Again, when this enemy in the parable comes and plants them, no one knows immediately. It's not till after they've taken root and started to grow next to the wheat that people realize that there are weeds there to suck nutrients from the ground. The weeds, they grow with the grain, and they appear to share life together. And once they have taken root, there's no easy answer to how to get rid of them. 
And whenever I hear this, it reminds me a bit of the story of Hagar and Ishmael. They're from the book of Genesis. You know, Hagar, she is kind of the concubine of Abraham. She's giving birth to a son, but, you know, he's the illegitimate son, an illegitimate son. He's, you see, Sarah is actually Abraham's wife. And if you came to Hagar and Ishmael and said, who is your wife or who is your husband? Who is your father? There's no good answer to that question. And when Hagar is there in the wilderness and the Lord comes to her to bring water and to have the child be saved, there's no, there's no easy answer to this very complex situation. Sin has come in and corrupted and it's left people in a place of brokenness that is not easily remedied. And this is what happens when these seeds are planted next to the good seeds. Whenever the seeds of sin and wickedness are there to corrupt, they grow along next and they get to a point where there's not an easy solution to things. And as the church, we should not think that we're exempt from this. One of the things that I, I find fascinating is a lot of young people, especially if they go through really what is Christian university culture, some of the, the more in intellectual side of things, they kind of go through their faith without fear and trembling, and they go through their faith without any idea of the devil. They don't have any idea that there's actual heresy out there. They just have this mentality, well, everybody's got their version of the truth. You listen to it all. You listen to different interpretations. And we forget that some interpretations are utter heresy that are planted as you know weeds next to the grain, and they're here to suck nutrients out, and there's coming a day where they'll be bundled up and thrown into the fire. I know that sounds a little bit brutal, but we should not think that we are exempt from this. And really, as we come to this message, I just want to remind us that we, we are not exempt from having this happen. Throughout the history of the people of God, there have been people who come as enemies. And if you look throughout the history of the people of God, the ones who do the most damage are the people from within the house of Israel. We look at the church, a lot of the greatest divisions that have happened in the church, the times where you've had great heretics, where you've had schisms, they've all come from within the church. This stuff hasn't come from outside. They've come from within. And as Jesus teaches, a house divided will fall, and whenever division comes within the church, it is quite bad. Now, this parable doesn't go so far to describe who the enemy is that plants these, but knowing what we know and seeing how the world operates, anytime you have seeds of sin and seeds of wickedness planted in you, bad things can happen as they take root and grow. Now, as we come to this, as the church, we also have the comfort and hope that is given to us through our Lord Christ Jesus. Christ is the judge of the living and the dead, and even when we're plagued with something that doesn't have a simple solution, sort of like the question to Hagar and Ishmael, who is your husband, who is your father, God still is able to bring hope to these situations. And I love that statement that we got earlier in the gospel according to Matthew, that wisdom is justified by her deeds. This idea that there will be a vindication for what is true based on how reality bears out that lies don't hold up for eternity and there's ultimately coming a day where Christ will judge the living and the dead and truth will be known and it will be objective truth and it won't be a he said she said sort of thing where everybody has their personal opinion it will be objective and it will be carried out by the omnipotent and omnipowerful seat of judgment which Christ Jesus comes to sit in so I know all that sounds pretty brutal but at the same time it is one that gives us hope Jesus comes to us and t tells us that we should really have hope Nothing is covered that will remain uncovered, and nothing secret will remain unknown. And Anthony, if you would pick up now, back in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, let's go down to verse 36, where Jesus actually explains this parable. So if you would read it for us now, Anthony. Matthew 13, 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. 
He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. In this scripture, Christ promises vindication for the children of God. Therefore, we do not do well to be robbed of joy and be frustrated by these things. I know when I look at the world around me, I look within the church and I see things growing alongside seeds of righteousness, that good grain that is growing up. We see things that is also corrupting. We see things which are borderline heresy, if not heresy. But you see those things growing and you say, what are we going to do about this? Well, here, as we come to this text, there's a lot of things that we learn from it. One, those who are laborers are not told by their master to stop laboring just because they see a few weeds. Instead, they're told, continue working. At the day of harvest, we'll deal with it. You handle your job that you're supposed to do. And again, that doesn't mean that you are planting seeds. That doesn't mean that the seeds of weeds are okay, that you're going to go out there and advance those causes. But instead, your job is to take care of the grain. Look that the grain is, you know, as fruitful as it can be, be taking that grain to a good place because it's what the harvest is for. But do not lose heart in it just because there are some weeds in the mix. So often in li times in life, we get consumed with worry about the world. And we should be worried about the world, but we should be worried about it in the way that Christ teaches us to. We should be looking to get souls to come to him, that hearts and minds can be transformed, that they can be cleansed of sin. Not that their sin would be told that it was okay or they should stay there. That would be like someone coming along and saying, well, the weeds are okay, we're just going to let them be. No, the story says the weeds are going to be there, but there is coming a time where those weeds are going to the fire. So there's an idea that there is distinctions to be made. But even when things are so complex, there's no easy solution, we should have hope that Christ Jesus is coming to make things right. In the church, we are to continue in our labors. So many times the world frustrates us and it wants to rob us of our joy. It's easy to be a disheartened laborer who looks around and says, oh, I'm laboring over all this stuff, but my heart has, has fallen because there's, there's weeds around us. This is really what Jonah does in the book of Jonah. He goes to Nineveh, and in Nineveh, he's with foreign people who don't really know the God of Israel, and they start making covenants with God. There's fruits that are being born from that ministry, but yet when he looks back home, the people of God, you know, they're getting more and more wicked. And Jonah gets really frustrated because the seeds that he wants to be growing aren't really doing it, but yet there are other good seeds that are out there. He gets distracted by the seeds of wickedness and the weeds of grain, Going there in Israel, growing up, he gets frustrated by that and he misses the beauty of what's going on there with him in Nineveh. And this parable reminds us that we do not do well to be angry, just as God told Jonah there when he was in Nineveh. You do not do well to be angry. Even as sin is being advanced by the forces of the world, we in the church must be working to advance the course of righteousness. Even when there are people in the church who are advancing the forces of sin, we hand things over to God because we're not capable of being the judge and the living of the dead. And whenever situations come to us, we point it out. We certainly don't enable it. We don't advance it. We don't say that it's okay. But at the same time, we do not just get downtrodden and just have evil, have that little victory of robbing us of our joy. 
We don't let it be something which sedates us and causes us to cease doing our work and to cease bearing good fruits. Just because we see someone else bearing bad fruit doesn't mean that we stop bearing good fruit. We must in all things be people who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. And that means that even when we see dishonest gain going around, we do our best to make sure there's good gain going on in the world that we have influence over. The Spirit graces us with wisdom. And it's a wisdom that allows us to see the difference between weeds and grains. Again, this is really that story I opened this up with today. It's not actually that easy for us to see the difference between weeds and, you know, good plants, good vegetation. To a lot of people, they look one and the same. And they actually look very similar if you know a lot of things out there. There's plants that look very similar to that purple dead nettle that are actually not weeds and actually have more beneficial qualities than the purple dead nettle. But... When it comes to spiritual matters, it's not always easy to tell what is a good seed and what is a bad seed because that's really what happens here. These weeds, they're growing next to the things which are good. And as they grow, they mask themselves, they hide, they slip in. And the church should remember that we are not exempt from having this happen. So many times, whenever I, I deal with a lot of people who are kind of new to the church and they're really comparing Christianity to the ways of the world, they're looking at our culture, there's a lot of synchronizing that goes on. And they, they want to take a lot of the talking points that you hear from Hollywood, from politicians, and kind of work them in the church as if there's a, a common cause. The cause of the gospel is found in the Great Commission. We're here to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they could be cleansed from their sins, that they could be transformed, sanctified, and made to live as God designed us to live. But this doesn't happen without them willingly transforming their hearts and receiving the gift which is initiated by Christ Jesus. When we look at the world around us, that is not the goal of our world and our politicians. And even when there's an accidental similarity, I'm always hesitant when people get on board with things and they want to start mixing the, the world with the church. This is very common. A lot of the, the world we look around now and we hear language in the church, which is very much synchronized with, with the world. And that always bothers me because we are not exempt from being people of sin and not being exempt of being people of heresy. Those things can still happen. The church can make mistakes. That's not what God designed the church to do, and that's not what we're called to do. But anytime we lower our guard and think it's not possible for weeds to be masked and grow alongside us, then we're very susceptible to have those grow alongside us and corrupt us. And if they corrupt us, then that really does put a black mark on our all everything we do. It, it taints our fruit. It causes us to, to fall away. And this is really a big problem. But there's always hope in Christ Jesus. And even when sin and wickedness grow in the world, there is assurance that Christ will come to bring justice. And in all things, we are to maintain the course of righteousness and do the work of the kingdom. And there's always work to do in the kingdom. I, I love that so many of Jesus' parables are of things that are manual labor. You know, there's two things you can't do in the kingdom of God, and one of them is be idle. And the other is advance the course of sin. There's a lot of work to do in the kingdom. It is really a full society. And as we are laborers out there in the field, if we want there to be a harvest, then we have to continue our laboring. And this is a joyous labor, even though it is a difficult one. And that is what we are called to do. So as we close our, our study of this parable, be thinking about that. We are not exempt from having weeds grow next to our, our fruits, and we have to be very cautious about that. And even when situations get too complex for us to have an easy solution to, know that Christ is coming to judge the living and the dead and in the end, wisdom will be vindicated by our deeds. Anthony, any thought on this parable as we've, we've gone through it? I think there's some uh, really interesting things to think about 
whenever we hone in on the detail that is um, concerning whenever you pull up the weeds, you're going to pull up the wheat with it. Yep. Um, and I think something that I've come more familiar with in my personal life is that like focusing on pulling up all the weeds all the time and trying to uh, literally weed them out. Um, I think that we tend to forget how, how quickly and how easy it is to also pull up the wheat. But the solution isn't necessarily to do nothing. I think um, this isn't included in the parable, but if you look at what Jesus is doing in the parable, Jesus is planting good seeds to produce good fruit. Um, and that's how Jesus, until the end times, is going to be making good fruit and affecting the world and blessing the world is not necessarily always by pulling up all the weeds and all that sort of thing, which is something that um, I've probably devoted way too much time to and probably hurt people by doing. But Christ instead is planting seeds which will produce good fruit. And I think that's a pretty beautiful well, part of the parable. It's not that the weeds are being ignored or that this parable doesn't address this because the master there who who owns this this field, he is telling his laborers, keep going towards the harvest. So keep nurturing and keep working with those good seeds. Yeah. And in the end, those bad seeds, they will be dealt with. Don't kid yourself. They're not going. It's not that the, you, that you've said they're okay and they're just going to be there for all eternity. No, when it comes time for the harvest, you're going to grab them bad boys up too and tie them together and they're going to be lit on fire. It's, it's going to be dealt with. Do not kid yourself. The, the parable clearly tells us they will be dealt with, but the thing is, is it says, and this is why I went back to Hagar and Ishmael. You know, if you come to the situation and you do the easy answer and say, well, you know, Abraham's now Hagar's husband. Well, what does that do to Sarah? What does that do to Isaac once Isaac is, is born? And when they become adults, you know, this is, this is the whole battle that's been going on for thousands of years. When you, you try to just rip up the weed in that moment, instead of waiting to the harvest to do that, all you do is you add death everywhere. The, the chaos, the, the suffering, it grows. There are times in life where sin has been planted. And again, I feel like so many times in the world, leaders in the church, we think that we're exempt from this happening. Like we don't think that there can be weeds planted amongst our grain. Like we just think that it, it couldn't possibly happen. But it does happen. And when that does happen, things get very complicated because there's not an easy solution to it. Well, uh, I definitely think the solution is found in the end times. Uh, the, oh, sure, yeah. The, I guess you could say completed solution, the fulfilled, perfected solution. But I think in the meantime, uh, the solution is to do exactly what Christ is doing in the parable, and that is yep. to plant good seeds. Yep, absolutely. Well, with that, we hope that you enjoyed this. And God love you. Have a blessed day again. If you want to check us out, we're on SoundCloud, Facebook, iTunes, a lot of different places. If you want to donate monetarily, you can do that at Kingdom of the Logos or patreon.com slash Kingdom of the Logos. Check out our website, though, kingdomofthelogos.com. I know I've said our title so many times. But anyways, if you've got any thoughts, questions, reach out to me. Love to hear from you. God bless.